This morning, we're actually going to be talking about something called Sukkot. That's right. And Ooh, you got it. Look kinda, at you. Well, that one's probably the easiest one to say. It kind of <laughs> has to do with camping a little bit. It does. There's some fun traditions. It's a it's a good one. In fact, I was just thinking what a what a great intro with that song, laying your worries down. It's mm. pretty much a a, a week long celebration, a camping trip, fun, and it's really to thank God for all that He's done. It's the ending of. It's also called the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Tabernacles. It's got a lot of uh, fun names, but uh, it's a uh, it's a really neat week. But in order to really engage it, you got to lay your worries down because it's mm. going to be hard to thank God yeah. if you're so worried that He doesn't have you and yeah. He's got you. Right. So of That's all the true. of all the biblical feasts, Tabernacles called Sukkot, is uh, the one Christians seem to know least about, and many of the Jews around the world, those especially who aren't religious Jews, uh, celebrated. They're really engaged in more of a street party. It is just this huge party wherever you are. It does not just have to be in is in Israel, but wherever they are, it, it's really the big... In fact, it's just called the feast because it's, it's that big for them. Uh, what's amazing also is it's the end of the seven feasts, so this is the last time I'll be in for, for, for a good long time. Uh, but it's amazing that it, how it relates to the rest of the feasts in the end times since Sukkot is about the thousand-year reign of Christ, and I don't think I've ever met anybody that just has their, that wrap, their head wrapped around that very well anyway, so it's a good one to study and learn. It helps us unpack some difficult parts of the book of Revelation, so that's a bonus too, so... We're going to be talking this morning about the Feast of Tabernacles and, and all that kind of stuff. We're going to discover a couple of things. God's idea of a camping trip, which is very good. He's, he's much better camper than we are. <laughs> Why we're commanded to rejoice and to give, how to celebrate the feast. So we're going to look at the prophetic aspects of it and look at the power behind the name Yeshua or Yehoshua, uh, where it fits in the end times, and how to make sure you have enough oil as we encounter the heart of Jesus in a brand new way. And that's also kind of an end time concept, having enough oil, but it's a daily concept too. So we're going to look at that. So traditionally, it's believed that the feasts, all of them, are shadows and types, and that Jesus fulfilled the spring feast when he died at Passover. He rose three days later on first fruits, walked with the disciples until he ascended on day 40, and then poured out the Holy Spirit from heaven on Pentecost. Now, obviously, I totally agree with that idea. It's also assumed, though, that Jesus will fulfill, will fulfill the fall feast at his second coming. And I can go 50-50 on that one. I think he will, but I think there's more to it. Uh, the problem with the second part of that theory is he was born on Rosh Hashanah, I believe, came out of the desert and began his earthly ministry on Yom Kippur. And John described Jesus' time on earth in John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now that word dwelt is equivalent to Sukkot, or tabernacled among us. So Jesus has already fulfilled the fall feast, so he didn't have to do that in terms of like we're waiting for him to fulfill something. But that said, the fall feasts do have a whole lot of themes in them that really line up with the end times. So all seven of the feasts have a part to play in the end times, and that's part of what we'll look at today. So let's take a look at Leviticus 23 real quick, see what God told the Israelites to do at the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's pretty simple. The Lord told Moses for seven days, 
everyone must celebrate the festival of, and this one called Shelters, so there's a lot of names for it, uh, in honor of me. So again, this is all about God. You're not celebrating anything else. You're celebrating God. No one is to do any work on the first day of the festival. Now this is begin the Sukkot begins tonight, runs through tomorrow night. It's time when everyone must come together for worship. So it's specifically a worship day and night. For seven days, sacrifices must be offered on the altar. The eighth day is also to be a day of complete rest. You begin the festival of shelters after you've harvested your crops. You pick the best fruit from your trees. You cut leafy branches to use during the joyous celebration in my honor. For seven days, every Israelite must live in a shelter so future generations will know I made their ancestors live in shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. All right. So if you see the theme there, there's a whole lot of celebrating and joy. We're just honoring God. And so this whole feast uh, is is what all Israel looks forward to all year long. It's the end of your harvest day, which for a farmer, that's your real labor. So we could say Sukkot was kind of the original Thanksgiving before hmm. the pilgrims, if you will. Yeah. Kind of take Thanksgiving uh, as well as Christmas, kind of roll it all together. It was a harvest festival to celebrate the completion of the agricultural year. That's a great time. Specifically, there are seven species that they grew in Israel. Barley in the spring, wheat and grapes in the summer, all the sweet fruit in the fall, you have pomegranates, figs, date palms, and olives. And so what they did then is they built these flimsy sukkahs, which is what we're calling a tabernacle. That's where the uh, sukkot comes from, sukkah, uh, to testify that their safety and stability came from God's care. So you're not building a fancy house. Mm. You're building a, a ratty little thing that you can stay in and say, no, I'm not. My hope isn't in my house here. My hope is in God. So they intentionally build them, you know, not real strong. Uh, they would remember the Exodus, the tabernacle where God would meet with Moses specifically, not just where they stayed as they were traveling, but specifically that God had made a place on earth to come and meet with him. Rosh Hashanah, the days of awe, the day of atonement had all passed. All of the repentance and judgment was behind them. Their sins were atoned. They'd spend the week celebrating life with God during the Feast of Tabernacles or booths. I'm going to give you about 27 names before we're done. They would construct the sukkah. Now, this is a lean-to or a hut. Some people use tents. It's a pretty basic way where they eat their meals together. Essentially, it's anything they could build to create shade for themselves. It was intentionally flimsy, as I said, but still safe to show that it's temporary. They decorated it with, like, beautiful foliage, and they left room in the ceiling to be able to see the stars at night. That's real important. So, essentially, they're just going camping. But their sleeping in a sukkah was optional. You don't have to sleep there, but you do have to eat together, and that was what was crucial. Now, building sukkahs, by the way, isn't just for this festival. It's what Jonah built to sit in as he waited to see what would come of Nineveh after he prophesied against it. It says there, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, or a sukkah, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So it's it's a big it's a normal part of their life, temporary shelter. So we're going to talk about the Feast of Tabernacles coming up. Where do you get your joy from? I mean, where do you get the depths of your joy from?